Hello and welcome to Dowdy, the podcast where me, Mariana Feijó, talk to my guests about the concept of bravery, or braveness, even just the moments where folks have been slightly out of their comfort zones. And so I cry sometimes when I'm lying in bed just to get it all out, what's in my head, and I, I'm feeling a little peculiar. And so I wake up in the morning and I step outside and I take a deep breath and I get real high and I scream from the top of my lungs, what's going on? That's what I've been brave about this week. You're not listening to the wrong podcast, it's Dowdy, and you'll understand why I've started it by singing it this week in two weeks' time when the 43rd episode of Dowdy is out. I'm sorry. I know I'm a rubbish singer. I know I chose what's not a an easy song to to sing. It was in my head. It's a song that's frequently in my head. It's a song I used to sing at the top of my lungs from a very young age. I don't know. I just always enjoyed screaming from the top of my lungs what's going on. And apparently what's going on is that I'm singing. <laughs> On my podcast, I will maybe, and that's me being brave again, release the full recording on my socials after this episode is out, maybe on Thursday. But I'm actually picking up a guitar tomorrow, so maybe I'll wait a little bit till I am able to play it in the guitar and then just release a proper video clip. I think that after the... um, the sample you just got, no one will look for it. <laughs> that is how much uh, greatness there is to my voice. I'm also like, it's also brave because I may be breaking some copyright here. It's kind of like a dare. I sang publicly. I'm currently worried about my new flatmate who hasn't moved in even a week ago and is hearing me scream because <laughs> that wasn't singing. <laughs> inside my room by myself and I have to confess that I sang it once before recording just to make sure I remembered it and that I was perfect (laughs) I'm sorry everyone who had to witness this let's go straight into today's episode because I can't embarrass myself anymore this episode starts as Dowdy always starts with my guest Rabia Kuhn introducing herself. I'm Rabia Kuhn. I am an American living in London for the past year. So I moved here to spend the pandemic in an exciting location other than home. And I am a project manager during the day. And then I'm a comedian and I host a podcast called More Than Work podcast. And I'm also back in school. So kind of busy, but. Full on doing everything you can. We have met pre-pandemic. I don't know how long pre-pandemic, but you did manage to gig a little bit in London before it all closed down. Yeah, yeah, we met. I remember where we met because you were one of the first people I met here and you were super nice. And it was just kind of cool to meet someone who I was like, oh, yeah, she's very funny because I saw your performance. And there's always that risk. (laughs) You talk. I don't know. This sounds bad, but you talk to someone at a gig. And then you see them on stage and you're like, oh, that's a little bit not my jam. Yeah. <laughs> so luckily, 
I felt like we were compatible that way. So that was good. I'm glad because I really, I also thought you were really funny. And I think, I don't know if you've noticed that because maybe you haven't gigged that much because the pandemic happened. Uh, I'm not sure. Like how long, how long were you in London before it all closed? I mean, end of January. So it was like two months and I had gone okay. on a trip in between. So yeah, it wasn't long. Yeah. So I don't know if like you've noticed any differences and this is like a uh, tangent for what this podcast is about i'm just curious if you've noticed any difference between like the the style of the open mics here and in america i've had experience in new york and i find there's like a slight difference yeah so for me the difference is that they're scheduled more like you scheduled it in advance with the person running the mic and then you get maybe your list order when you get there But in the States, the ones I was going to, for the most part, you just show up and put your name in when you got there. So that was a big difference for me. Yeah. And you find like in the way you do material or people around you do material, because I think in the UK, it's much more common to see someone do the same five minutes for like over a year. And also you're expected or I thought I was expected for a long time to just bring those f same five minutes and try to work them the best I could and not try anything new and have it all like committed to memory. And in New York, what I saw were people like with ideas on a paper and just like exploring them on the open mics. And I think that's in a way more productive because you're just trying new ideas. Um, so I brought that back with me after I've performed in New York and no one booed me out of any open mic. So it's not that you need to, but it just feels like it's a little different. I think you're right. Like it depends on what you're working at the time, but I saw pro comics do that. Like I got to do this one gig in LA and it was like my only gig in LA actually. And Whitney Cummings was there, which was pretty cool. Like she just dropped in and she had a notebook and I, it just changed how I felt about myself doing comedy. because I, I always write my set on a piece of paper before I go up, not just <laughs> keywords. I don't write the whole thing out, but it was cool just to see her working that way just because it made me feel better. Like, oh yeah, they're not just magically standing up there and doing it. You know, they're working the same way we are. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now going back to what this podcast is about, <laughs> <laughs> how do you define bravery? I think bravery is basically when a person, well, usually a person, I guess it could be anything, but like an animal too, but a person confronts something that scares them. And even if they don't succeed at doing that activity or or they don't succeed at maybe resolving a situation or whatever it is, they confront it and face it and try. So that's mm -hmm. what I see bravery as. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of people define bravery. 35 released episodes, one of them scheduled for tomorrow morning, so 36. And I've recorded a few in the last couple of weeks. So I think I've heard like, I don't know, more than 40 people <laughs> tell me a definition of bravery. And they're more or less similar, right? But it's interesting to see how much my idea of bravery changed throughout this podcast or the definition of bravery to be like one big event that you have to like you know that idea of the movies sell you about brave bravery and it's cool when someone comes to the podcast and their definition doesn't necessarily include that idea of the bravery in the movies which like just doing something that scares you mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily include that big idea of bravery yeah i mean that's true because it's almost like that idea is inaccessible to a lot of people like i'm probably never going save the world like 
by throwing a, a spear or something or like at a <laughs> who knows and yeah i mean it's <laughs> unlikely but i know tomorrow i'm gonna have a very difficult conversation with someone and i know i'm scared of that and i think that if someone told me they were having a similar conversation i'd be like well it's really brave that you're gonna confront the issue and not just mm-hmm. let it sit so yeah so those are more accessible to me. So Yeah. And what are, were moments in your life in which you have been brave? I mean, I'd say like just all different kind of different types of ones. I mean, I've done skydiving once and I think that was brave for me just because I, first of all, never thought I would, but a friend, basically her friends didn't go with her and said, will you go? And I didn't really think about it. I said, yeah, of course I was going to be there for her. But then it ended up when you're jumping out of a plane, you feel like, well, that was kind of brave in a way. I mean, I did have someone with me, so it could have been braver. It could have been a a solo dive. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think they let you do that. (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. I wouldn't trust me to do that. I've done a lot of volunteering with charities and I've spoken on behalf of the organizations at different events. And I think just public speaking in general uh, for me. And then I moved to New York I moved to Dallas, I moved to London. So those kind of things, I think, you know, I did a 50 mile fundraising walk for mm-hmm. MS. Do you know what that comes to in kilometers? Just to, just so I know in my head what 50 miles are. 80, 80. <laughs> uh, 80, okay. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was over a couple of days, but um, that was just a really physical challenge that, and Part of that, though, was um, my friends and I were in this documentary, so we had cameras following us, or we had sound packs on almost all the time. So um, I was talking a lot of nonsense a lot of the time. <laughs> so sometimes the guys would almost look at me after the day after the day was over and be like, "Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, no problem." <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, so those are some things. I mean, I, you know, I've spoken at a funeral. That was hard. You know, I felt like I could have opted out of it, but I also I'm glad I didn't. But that was probably one that came to mind when I was thinking about what mm-hmm. were brave things I did. So, yeah. You've talked about now with this last detail, you've talked about two different kinds of public speaking in a way. And stand-up is another kind yeah, of public speaking. True. Do they scare you in different ways? Oh, yeah, totally. So I think the public speaking of my own words versus a prepared speech maybe someone else wrote, which I've done both of those. Are different because it's like one I don't I want to honor what someone wrote and I don't want to mess up and I worry about being perfect in every word word for word I guess and it's just the message I'm probably delivering and then like the comedy it's different because the adrenaline you get too is part of it and so yeah I mean I think it's hard to even tell the difference in a way other than maybe the ego damage <laughs> that you get when someone doesn't laugh but I think the comedy it's different because you're expecting a reaction that's very specific, which is laughter. Mm -hmm. But the other kind of speaking, it's like you're not necessarily looking for that throughout in the sense of what I've done, you know? Yeah, and that's, like, interesting because I've... I also feel like I was a scientist before... (laughs) So I did a lot of like presentations to do with the work that I was doing, and I always hated it. And I've only started doing stand-up after that, like, long before I stopped being a scientist. Not long, maybe one or two years, but still long before uh, after I stopped being a scientist. And it's totally different. I hated public speaking and I like comedy. And yeah, that's, that's the adrenaline and all of that. But you've just said something that I had ne- never thought before. Because like when you do stand up, the scary thing is that 
a person won't laugh. And when there are silences, it is when it is difficult for me to keep going. But when you are doing a presentation like a scientific presentation about you, no one reacts. So you're just speaking to silence and to people just looking at you very seriously. That's maybe why it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. Or if if they're talking while you're talking, then you know they're not paying attention. It's yeah. Like, what are you doing? You know? Am I not being engaging enough? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't like what I'm saying? What's going on? What about, you said you moved to New York, Dallas, and then London. Where from initially? So I was in California and I moved to New York. And that was the first time I moved out of California when I was like 30. And then mm -hmm. I moved from New York to Dallas after five years. And then I moved from Dallas back to California after two years. I did not last very long in Texas. Uh, and then... I moved over here a couple years later, so to London. Yeah, I didn't even consider the fact that Texas may, may be a difficult place to live in. I did have like a few friends that did their PhDs in Dallas. And one of them once told me, and I guess that's maybe, I don't know if it's the same kind of experience, experience in the whole of America, but it's from Portugal. And one of the things is that you have to drive everywhere, right? There's yeah, no other way of moving. moving. So he had to get a car and then he's a very bad driver. And in Portugal, whenever like something happens, like someone goes in front of you or whatever, you buzz, buzz, you don't buzz, you beep. What you do with the car? You honk, you honk. <laughs> and he soon realized that he shouldn't because the person he honks can have a gun. I was going to say, yeah, they have guns yeah. there, so no. Yeah, and I guess like that's something that maybe happens throughout all of America, because guns are legal, but maybe in Texas a little more dangerously, I don't know. People react. I mean, if you honk, people react. And so it may be just flipping you off. It may be <laughs> chasing you. I mean, all different stuff happens. And it's just kind of best not to do that. And But it's hard, because I've, I've honked at people yeah. and gotten angry. But then you have to just remember, like, oh, I'm driving this car, and that's dangerous, and all that. Yeah. Uh, but was that kind not specifically that thing, but was that kind of like conservator, how do you say it? Conservatism Conser or conservatism conserv that yeah, uh, yeah. made it difficult to yeah. work there. Yeah, it was hard for me. I mean, it's, I'm not religious. I, I'm agnostic. I've, I've flirted with atheism, but I just kind of stay, stick with agnostic because I'm not sure, I guess, enough. Mm -hmm. you know and so that's like the out but one thing there that was really weird for me is people would constantly be concerned with what church you go to and what religion you are and I had one lady ask me because my name's Rabia asked me if I'm Muslim and no one can see me right now but I'm you know blonde hair blue eyed and I don't really look like I'm half Lebanese I don't look like it and it was just weird because then I said no but then I wondered what would have happened if I said yes, you know, and it was just those kind of questions that I just wasn't really down with, I guess. It was just, I didn't fit in in that place because that's not the first thing I ask people is like, oh, what religion are you or where do you go to church? Yeah. It's not my deal. Yeah. If it's not the senses asking you that, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it that like when you, the first time you moved, it was to New York and it's, yeah, moving, it's a change. So it's always a little scary, but was the reward of doing something that scared you good oh yeah absolutely I mean I had always kind of as a kid dreamed about New York and I always wanted to go there and then I did go there as an adult before I moved there but 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was kind of like, to me, it was just fulfilling some kind of dream. And it was the furthest I'd ever been away from home, which was hard for me because I'm pretty close with my family. But yeah, just the, you know, getting my apartment there and just getting on the subway every day and the energy of the city and that city will beat you up. I mean, some of the worst days of my life I've had in New York and some of the best days of my life I've had there. But just what would always strike me was just walking down the street and then catching the Empire State Building out of the corner of my eye. And it would just almost be like my touchstone there in a way. I wouldn't actually go to it, but just seeing that. Um, and I was kind of proud of myself for doing it, you know, because it was a choice I had to make. Do I take that job? Do I move all this stuff? And um, yeah, so it was definitely worth it. 100%. Yeah, that reminded me the first time I went to New York, I was 17, maybe, no, maybe older, doesn't matter. I went with my parents. And at some point, we were like in this pub at night having like some food and a bunch of police came on, on the streets and we were like, oh, what's happening? What's happening? And we asked the guy in the bar, what's happening? And he said, oh, it's just normal. We're the Empire State Building is right there. And we're like, oh. We hadn't realized we were so close because <laughs> it's so tall. So when you're right next to it, yeah, you just don't notice it. That happened to my friends. Similar thing. We were in um, uh, Rome, right? And so we approached our hotel from the same direction every time. And one day I turned the other way and I see the Colosseum. <laughs> I had no idea. It was within eyesight because I kept going out the same way and then we'd come back the other way and so yeah. it would always be to our back it's so dumb i'm like we could have every day been looking at that and said we were just looking at a gelato place that we would walk to you know well gelato is also fun so <laughs> more to eat than to look at yeah what about like i guess if that was the furthest away you had lived from home when you moved to new york now it's is it the furthest away now that you have lived from yeah your family yeah now's london it's the furthest and in a pandemic which i think makes it worse how does is that panning out to you for you well it's tough i mean because i you know i'll tell you i missed the holidays for the first time in my life i mean at 41 years old i had always been home for thanksgiving always for christmas no matter what and i know i won't say that i always wanted to like sometimes i'd be like oh i wish i could go on some cool trip at Thanksgiving like other people do, but it wasn't like a thing I made a wish for. It was just, I, you know, I like to see my family and my mom mm -hmm. wants me home and that's it. And so I think that aspect of just not being able, not feeling like an escape, I can escape mm -hmm. has been weird. And then just being in my flat most of the time, I'm following the rules pretty much. I mean, yeah. and I know some people aren't and whatever, don't want to get into that, but it's just like, yeah, it's been a little bit weird, but I did do something cool last year. Like I bought a bicycle and I rode my bike every day for like over a hundred days last year, which was cool. And then I stopped. I've heard one of your podcast episodes where I think you had a similar thing where like very consistent and then stopped. So I'm trying to get back into it, but I just took the opportunity to see different parts of the city from a bike. And that was pretty mm -hmm. awesome. So I don't know. I've tried to make the most of it, but it's been up and down. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like what we're all realizing, and it's been yeah, a year is a long time, and we I think don't usually have this precise notion of time. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah, like we'd be like, oh wow, it's been a year. Like oh wow, I've been here a year already, but I didn't really feel like that. I felt like oh man, it's been a year. Like yeah. since this happened. Like I moved in here a year ago, and I'm still here, and. It was kind of a weird feeling this time. Yeah. What about like on the other end of the spectrum? Were there moments in your life in 
which you haven't done something for like of bravery or fear. Yeah, absolutely. I, I try not to regret much. I try to live in a way that I don't, but I regret <laughs> it's so funny, but I, it came to me immediately. I regret not going and studying abroad when I was in college. There was actually a program called UCDC because I was at UC San Diego in California and it was to go to D Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia. And I didn't do it partly because I was worried about like paying because I was on student loans and work study and working the whole time. But then also I just kind of was scared I'd miss something and I just didn't do it. And I applied and then I just didn't do it. And mm -hmm. um, I looked into going to the Netherlands also. I mean, I have friends who went and came back and it was like nothing happened, but I just was afraid. So I think that's one thing that drove me to now just take these opportunities, like go to London. Sure. You know? Yeah. I think that's like a good thing to take out of those moments where, yeah, you either regret or you keep thinking what could have been is to then take the, the opportunities when they show up. Because mm -hmm. this is a kind of opportunity that does happen, right? Sometimes, I guess, if you don't, there are things you can decide not to do that won't happen ever, ever again. And yeah, that precise experience won't ever again, won't happen ever again, but you can have parallel experiences to it. Mm -hmm. And you said something that was interesting to me, because you said you were afraid of maybe missing something if you moved. What kind of thing? It's like I just had a routine maybe. And so I like had my friends and that I would see and I had my place. I lived with my friends and I had my job. And I almost feel like it was insecurity because I, I mean, I don't know, like I would say I'm a pretty insecure person in many ways that I don't display. And a lot of it's around just my friendships and people. Like if I'm not present, will we still have our friendship in a way, mm -hmm. which isn't good. I mean, I, I'm not like that as much now. Now it's kind of, I've evolved from that, but I mean, back then, uh, I think my fragility led to my relationships being fragile too, in my view, which they wouldn't have been, it would have been fine. Mm -hmm. Like my best friend would have still been my best friend, whatever. But I think I was more afraid of just like losing connections and people that I just didn't go, you know, it was yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah. Because like the only reason I asked that also, I don't know if I understood what you said correctly, because I understood that you were talking about missing out on stuff and not like missing as in missing someone or whatever. Well, I, yeah, missing out on stuff, like whatever they're doing, yeah. which, you know, what, whatever is going on, like the day to day, yeah. which you kind of like now it's like, I'm not like that. I mean, I'm missing my entire, like my nephews, my one nephew turned 16. He'll be 17 by the time I see him. He was 15 yeah. when I saw, saw him last. Now he'll be 17. He's got a car or he'll be driving all this stuff, you know, and I'm missing out on the, a lot of stuff I would have seen of him, but I'm less afraid of that. I just feel like, yeah, I'll go home and give him a big hug yeah. and I'll be like, what's up buddy. You know, it'll be fine. Yeah. But I think I didn't have that security when I was younger at all. Yeah. Because uh, what that made me think of is that you were potentially also missing out on stuff in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. Or the Netherlands. So it's like an interesting balance. But you j just now said something which is maybe one of the things that I worry more about of the fact that I live away from my family. And it is my niece that I was very close to her when she was a baby because I was home. But I've lived here now for the past seven years. And yeah, like this year, I barely saw her and she's now... 11 or 12 again it's the third time i say it is on the podcast and i haven't checked what's her age yet <laughs> but that's an age too i mean it's yes. like because 
they're, in some ways they're 11 and then in some ways they're 12 where they start just acting a little older like they're almost a teenager but then they stalk like a little kid so yeah that's what I'm seeing with my niece but yeah I had the same thing because when I when my oldest nephew was born I was still living near home and I would see him all the time and and then my other nephew but then I moved and so then when my niece was there I didn't really know my niece for the first part of her life and then you know I'm close to her now but like I was definitely not present for some of that time that I was for the, the, the her brothers. And it's yeah. a lot different. I know what you mean. Yeah, different. Yeah. And it's like probably the first time because, I don't know, and now this will sound probably a little bit, uh, <laughs> I don't know, the word. I'm missing the word. But I was going to say that also I have a cat. I have a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and that was maybe the other situation because like I talk to my parents and I talk to my sister almost every day uh, so it's like the connection is always there we always talk with my niece she's especially now she's very independent and she doesn't want to stay on the phone with her aunt so yeah yes cool. we don't talk as regularly and the same happened with the cat right the, the cat was just <laughs> an animal alone that couldn't talk to me on the phone <laughs> although i know animals and kids are not the same thing <laughs> i know but like no my it's the same thing i was just telling my friend that like it's you know, your relationship changes a little bit because they don't want to sit on the phone. Like they yeah. they did when they were like five because they think it's cool someone wants to talk to them on the phone. Now they're like, I have other people to talk to on the phone. And then my one friend has me talk to his dog. <laughs> and say hi to your Aunt Robbie. I'm like, okay. So I have, <laughs> you know, I have these dogs. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, my niece now is on TikTok. She's also like on Instagram and stuff. But on TikTok, she does like, she talks about content, which is like, come on, you're... 11 or 12 and you're creating content that's weird but she forbade me to follow her on tiktok i still did because oh. i said come on of course i will you shouldn't be hiding stuff and her mom follows her so it's fine but she was like i don't know I, i'll be embarrassed that you see what i'm doing <laughs> like okay i think the risk is more on the other side because i have two videos on tiktok one of them is like a silly mock exercise one but the other one is me explaining fisting i think that's so the other side is probably worst she shouldn't be watching my content <laughs> yeah no I know I actually think about what I post sometimes because I know the kids will see it yeah. you know and I, I'm like I don't say much but it's still yeah you wonder like okay you know or if they watch my comedy it's like my sister knows like there's a risk and you know she decides to go for it yeah you have mentioned that one thing that you are going to do tomorrow that is carrying you but is there anything else or even that if you want to talk more about it that's coming up in your future for which you will have to be brave mm. Yeah, I am gonna, I'm starting to write or put my material into a show and write a show because I want to do like a couple like Brighton Fringe, Camden Fringe, a couple mm -hmm. fringes. And I'm scared because what if no one comes see them? What if they're not good? All this stuff. I mean, everything about it is scaring me, but it's something. So I feel like it, I feel like anyone who's putting on shows, I think you've done, you do so much. And I think it's very brave, like all those things. It may not seem to you always that it is, but I think it is when you share your creative work and you're writing and you're sharing it, I think it's sometimes it's brave just to write and not share it too, because you're yeah. writing things that are maybe, you know, they're thoughts that you don't, aren't ever going to put out of your head. But um, so I'm going to do that. And then, you know, I do try online dating sometimes. And honestly, like just open the app sometimes. It's brave because you don't know what you're going to see. You can see some yeah. crazy stuff. And then you don't know what kind of message you're going to get. And then if you actually meet someone, I don't know. So I do that. <laughs> 
I don't know if it's brave or stupid. I don't do very much. I really just rather not, you know? <laughs> um, and then I'm in school right now. So um, I have another class starting up and I'm a little nervous, but I think it was, I think taking the first class was a bigger deal. I think this one won't be as requiring as much bravery, so to speak, but it still is because you have to meet with a group and talk about the subjects and it's, um, it's hard. I mean, it's a college level or grad level class. So yeah, those what, are some What things. are you studying? It's cool. It's, uh, I'm excited about it. So it's called a public leadership credential. So there's six oh. classes and um, it's at Harvard Kennedy. And it's, so it's based in the US, but it's a, it's online. So you just do it wherever and you can have, yeah. there's people all over the world taking it. And the idea is that it's for what they, for what they say, it's for change makers to help them like kind of get ready to make change in their community. Cause I really ultimately think I want, you know, I want to serve people. That's what I want to do. And I, I do think some of the stuff already is service. Like I think comedy and podcasting is in a way because you're doing something for people, but then also maybe some like more government or nonprofit stuff. So yeah, mm -hmm. but it took me about 10 years to decide to do that. So that's, that's good that, is, you, that you're doing it now that you took that step into yeah. doing it. What was the other thing that you said that was going to be scary? Oh, the show. Yes, that was it that I wanted to comment on. Because I did a workshop today on oh. uh, devising a show uh, with a performance artist I really like here in the UK, Bryony Kimmings. And yeah, like it's more theatery than comedy and I'm way more like a comedy person than a theatery person. But I do think that, that for if I am to do an hour show, I want it to be more than just me standing at a microphone mm -hmm. and talking yeah so i think that idea of devising thinking of different ways to tell a story is an interesting skill to to get but the reality is that there's a couple of things in my life that i have trouble talking about mm -hmm. i like i talk i talk about them on podcasts or whatever but then if i really want to get serious about it or like in person in intimate relationships I have yeah. trouble talking about those two things and that's what I decided to work on today great and I felt ve that felt brave but at the same time I felt very silly because it was more like a webinar thing but the idea the facilitator wanted us to still perform the things that we were writing just by ourselves in the place where we were and wow. record them uh, to make it feel like you were doing something and I the words didn't come out of my mouth and I was alone in my room uh, so yeah that felt feel, felt very silly not very brave uh, but also a work in progress thing because I'm Let's now see. writing stuff about it that's why I define it as you tried it doesn't mean you succeeded at it you just yeah. tried I think just that even the next time you'll try again but that's cool well congrats on just like starting next i know i'm gonna my show too i mean i'm gonna deal with some subjects and i don't know if i'm gonna hit all of them because i don't know some of the stuff you're just not ready to you know sometimes yeah. and it's important to know that right but um yeah that's really cool sounds fun are you thinking of doing the bride and fringe and the camden fringe this year mm -hmm. that's like not soon oh no it's soon yeah or soon. did brighton delay it till brighton's in june so a okay. friend and I that I met just here too, she was just like, we're just signing up for a slot and we'll just take a half mm -hmm. hour. So it's going to be workshopping. I mean, for yeah. however long I've never done something like this before. I mean, I've always kind of shied away from it. So it's just, it's just for me, it's such a, a commitment to saying, all right, because I wouldn't call myself, I will now say I'm a comic. I wouldn't say that until about a month ago or something. I would just mm -hmm. say, oh, I do stand up comedy. I'm just, 
I do open mics. Like I would say that and it was almost putting myself down. Now I'll say it, but now it's like, okay, now I've got to double down and keep. Yeah. Yeah. Push more. Yeah. Push yourself more. It is interesting. I don't know if this is true, but uh, I hear a lot of times like the American comedian saying that before like Netflix or whatever, they wouldn't think of the hour as much that in the UK people think a lot more of the hour because there's the Edinburgh fringe. Are people working towards an hour? I, you know, I'm trying to think, but if I think about the people I was working with before, no. I mean, I can't think, I know people are always like after their type five, you know, and then they'd be yeah. like, oh, I could do a 10 minute set. And um, I did a 20 minute set a couple of times in the States. I mean, that was my first year, which, you know, I just written a lot that was decent, but I'm still more comfortable with like, you know, 10 or 12. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I can't even think of anyone. I mean, I know now people say, oh, I'm going to get that Netflix special, but I honestly don't feel like anyone I saw was really working towards that. Not that yeah. I saw. Yeah, maybe some I, people do when they're, but I was starting out, so, so, or I still am yeah. starting out. I mean, I consider myself very new, but mm -hmm. um, so it's only two years and one year has been the pandemic, but yeah, yeah. so it's, that's interesting. But yeah, I think here fringe is such a thing. So it's just like people kind of do think in those terms, how to get to mm -hmm. fringe. I am actually, because I saw that email, that thing, the fringe uh, announced, the Edinburgh fringe announced that they were doing the festival. It may be a mix between in-person and virtual. And then they said that they will up open submissions and you can choose whether you want to do it in person or virtually. And I, I'm the person who wouldn't go to the fringe unless I don't know. It's a lot of money. It's um yeah. It's way too much of an investment. But if it's online, maybe I'll try. <laughs> Even yeah. if I have no idea for a show right now, or I have ideas but nothing, nothing like developed. Yeah, and that's maybe. why I'm just sticking with like doing the half hour and seeing what I can do with that, and then yeah. I can grow from there. But. But yeah, that's cool. I didn't even know they were going to do it. But that, the online thing's interesting. It gives so many more people an opportunity because it's pretty inaccessible in a way unless you have money, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been like to the fringe a few times with my work because I get paid for the trip and accommodation for like a week and I get to do reviews. So that also means that I get to see shows for free. So it's like a great deal. But yeah, I wouldn't pay for it just stay there because it is very expensive yeah it seems like it yeah. was it difficult for you to or did it require bravery for you to try to do comedy in a new place yeah I was nervous because I didn't know well I I always have that I think sometimes unhealthy dose of like thinking it's like imposter like I'm an imposter right a little bit of imposter syndrome so it's already like what if I was only funny because of x y and z and not because i'm just right decent material mm -hmm. or something and so when i came here like the first couple of weeks i mean and now granted this total i probably had like six weeks of time i even was doing anything until the pandemic started at, at most i don't even think it was that much and then i had like a little bit here and there and then online but like when i first tried the first couple of shows went really badly and i felt awful but I had tried to change my material. First of all, I tried to do brand new stuff that I wrote for here, for the mm -hmm. audience, not knowing who they are and not recognizing, well, it's a bunch of comics anyway. And then I was on a plane. I went to Mexico. So my first month here, I went to Mexico because we had a company trip. Mm -hmm. I work remote and my company does an annual trip, which is awesome. So I was on the plane on the way back. I had my notebook out and I just had this epiphany, like you're not being yourself. You're being whoever you think 
they want someone to be. And so I just made a commitment. I'm, and I wrote out all my, like I wrote out a five minute set just from memory. And I just said, that's the set you're going to do next week. You have two gigs, do that set. It's the set you've done. It's that, you know, yeah. And then it worked out so much better just being authentic. It was such a, I don't know. It was such a weight was lifted off me because it's like, oh, if I just do my material now, maybe adjust things here and there, if you're being very specific, like I don't laugh at everything here because I don't understand what people are talking about. But so I don't need to make those American references that people don't know at all, but otherwise. So yeah, it did because especially not the first one necessarily, but the second one after I had really bombed. And then the mm-hmm. third one after I'd bombed again, like those were the hard ones. Yeah. And like the, the idea, I don't know, but I imagine that you have been doing comedy for a little bit where you were before in America. Was it California? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. San Diego. Um, yeah. San Diego. So you knew like you knew the circuit, you knew the nights that were good to perform at and the nights that you probably wouldn't perform again at. Yeah. Making that uh, like that work of getting to know the places in a new city sounds scary to me. Was it scary to you? Yeah, because you show up and you don't know. I mean, you know, you know the cliques in your town and you know how the people are. And so I also knew who to stay away from and who I didn't like and who didn't like me and whatever. And so when I would go, you know, you try to be friendly, but you also don't want to be like, I don't want to be the overly eager American, (laughs) you know, (laughs) hi guys, Uh, annoy people. So it's tricky. Yeah. It was like scary, but then everyone was pretty nice to me. I mean, overall, you know, which was good. I think just people were generally friendly and there's one I wouldn't go back to for sure. The guy was just kind of creepy. But generally, yeah, so it was scary, but then you just kind of start to know who to hang around and whatever you can tell, or you just say hi. And if people don't want to talk to you, then just be okay being alone, I guess, <laughs> which I guess now we all know how to do. Yeah, true. I think there's, there's another thing because I'm, um, I don't know, I worked a lot on it. So now I'm a little better at doing that bit of it, but I'm not very good at, it's not at being friendly. I'm shy. So that bit where you stay afterwards and talk to people uh, it's like really hard for me which i think usually makes people think i'm not friendly (laughs) so yeah every time i go to a new play a new night where i don't know the comics it's always like i'm staying here i'm i'm i feel really shy and i don't know who to talk to (laughs) i know and i mean those people like i stay too long like i'm ready Mm -hmm. to go but i just feel like weird about leaving and I've gotten a little bit better about it but yeah it's kind of nice when I don't know anyone I just leave (laughs) so it's like curing me of that need to stick around I did do like 20 minutes of material this was the thing that I couldn't remember before right in the first year of doing stand-up and I didn't have like actually good material but I was invited to perform for International Women's Day at the School of Pharmacy where I did my master's in biochemistry and I thought oh okay yeah, they paid me and everything it was like the first time I got paid properly for comedy for 20 minutes and it wasn't like brilliant but people thought I was interesting so that's it's at least part of it <laughs> yeah that's good and you got paid so I um I sent my family the other day so I hit my 150th gigs that's I was stoked I mean I know half of yeah. them are online but that's cool like I'm stoked about that but I sent my family a screen I keep track of everything so I kept I have a screenshot of like the it's like 20 point four hours right and then it's like earning 205 dollars total or whatever (laughs) and so i sent it i'm like and i told my nephews and niece i'm like i'm like your dreams can come true (laughs) total right two years of work 
20 something hours plus whatever uh, god i spent i don't know how a lot more on, on drinks for sure yeah that's like i stopped drinking when i started doing comedy <laughs> and it was basically because i was spending a lot of money and the only way to stop drinking socially was to stop drinking altogether so mm-hmm. that's what i did <laughs> But I think it's too radical. <laughs> You've also said like online dating is a brave thing. Are you dating now during the pandemic? So I, so last year around April, I started dating someone and we would talk for hours and it was great. And then we met and um, it was this guy, I won't say his name, I was about to say the name, <laughs> as a kid and you know, or divorced or not. I don't know if they were never married, but has a kid. So he's furloughed all this stuff. So it was constant problems with him, but it was like, he was really cool, like funny, whatever. And one day he just like ghosted me after we hung out, like in person a few times, because we were each other's bubble too. Like we mm-hmm. made that decision and yeah. And just ghosted me after five months. So since then, no. Yeah. Okay. And is that like the thing that scares you that someone will just ghost you after you like make yeah a connection i mean well i haven't them. met anyone to be fair i mean i i don't i don't like to spend time on the i don't know if you're on the app so i don't i don't feel great like just swiping on like looking at people and swiping on them yeah and i won't read someone's profile unless i do find them attractive to me so i just it makes me feel kind of gross because i feel like they're doing that to me too and then i'm like well i'm really funny and i'm really kind of cool and if you talk to me you know, or you get these stupid messages when you do connect with someone. And I just don't, I like unmatch so quickly. I'm like such a, so I just like, I'm talking to someone now, but it's been like, he'll write and then I'll write back and then it'll be like a week and then write back. And he's like, Oh, I'm really bad at communicating. And I'm like, well, that's like not a good way to build a relationship, even a friendship with someone, but that's fine. I'm just, you know, so I'm not really bothering that much. Cause I'm thinking, oh, I want to travel and stuff next year. So I don't know. I just, it's, yeah. It gets important to me and then it gets unimportant to me. And that's why I stay single and don't have kids and all this because I just kind of <laughs> never focused on it, you know? Yeah, I think online dating is terrible uh, for some of the, the same reasons. But I am on a cool, I'm queer, uh, and I am on a cool queer dating app that is just like personal ads. So there's no photos. The, oh, the profiles can be connected to your Instagram so you can check out people's Instagram but the thing you see first is just a personal ad someone saying very clearly what they want sometimes it's just let's go for a walk let's uh, share our art so sometimes it's not even like romantic or sexual but people are just very direct about what they want and it was a very very refreshing to me to have an, on, uh, an online dating app that was like that and that was less focused on what yeah people, that's really what people cool. look like or about sex. sex which is very important to me but still uh it's yeah but it's not every i mean it's just like it's not everything and like yeah. that's the thing right and at some point you have to if you're in a relationship, you have to have a friendship. You have to have conversation. You have to have connection. It's not just sex. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, I mean, I mean, I can get that. That's not a problem, yeah. but it's the, the rest. That's the hard part, you know? So, I mean, I don't think it's a problem. I don't know. I, I could just, we could run an experiment right now. <laughs> oh, got someone coming over. But um, I mean, we can't in lockdown anyway. That's another thing. Ew, it grosses me out when people go, let's just break lockdown together. I'm like, you're gross. No, like, bye. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I've been on a few dates during the pandemic and some of like a couple of people I've been on more than one date, Mm -hmm. but always socially distanced walks in places. And then 
like with one of them, we started talking on our last date if we would be okay stopping the social distancing and doing more stuff. And then we ended up not having another date. Not because we weren't okay. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I know that we <laughs> ended up not seeing each other again. <laughs> but yeah, that conversation is hard because I don't know. I've never done relationships like that, right? So I don't have the serious conversation before touching someone on well, the yeah, it's shoulder, weird. right? So, so it's yeah. very weird. Yeah, it's super weird. So that was such a bummer last year because I just, I mean, it really did wreck me kind of, which was kind of sucked, you know? I mean, and I just thought, well, I need to be more productive than heartbreak allows me to be. So honestly, you know, yeah. So I guess it would be brave to, yeah, that's why I think it is because I know how I get, I'm not good at that. Yeah. It hurts me. It makes me feel bad about myself. And I just like, I don't really need that. So yeah. Yeah. That's the perfect, perfect reason. reason. So yeah, yeah, I, I won't argue, argue with you. With you. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there, there someone real or fictional from, from your own life or from, from like a famous person that you will use as an example of bravery? Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, for sure there has to be, but I'm just thinking of who like, actually, I think even if I look at real people, um, and even just what you just said, people who own their sexuality and own who they are. I have a few friends who have come out, some under very difficult circumstances. And I've always thought they were very brave just to live honestly and truly in that. I think that's very brave. Um, I mean, if I pick like the person I'm the biggest nerd over, then it'd be like Elton John, which is so <laughs> stupid. But I love him. And I just, I think it's because he's just kind of at some point, I mean, People joke like, oh, well, he had to. No, he not really. He didn't have to at any point. And he could have lived in some lie if he wanted to. I'd say, yeah, those people. I mean, I think like Elliot Page now, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's been a really beautiful thing to see. So, yeah, maybe that's just, I think just because our, our conversation just now, I'd say those, those people. Yeah. So my friends and, you know, who just kind of live authentically and they got, you know, I have one friend who they're trying to have a kid right now. It's two guys. They've been married for a while and I think it's really cool. And, you know, so yeah, that's too. Yeah. You talked about Elton John and I didn't know much about him except his music and like the contemporary story of Elton John, but I watched uh, his biopic and I yeah. really, I really liked the movie and also like knowing all the things he went through in life is yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, Rocket Man. Yeah, it was so yeah. good. I mean, it was really good. Yeah. And on another way, on another hand, another something, uh, Elliot Page, uh, I think because he's aware of the world he lives in and the number of people who know him and who would comment on whatever would happen uh, is literally like really brave because it's braveness with our bravery with awareness of what can happen yeah i agree because i think well so i was thinking um, kamala harris she said in one of her speeches like she's the first woman but she won't be the last to hold the mm -hmm. office of vice president and i think like elliot page is the first person who's gonna really i think transition and come out in this way and we'll get movie roles and we'll show that a person can be an actor and they can also, you know, transition and still be an actor and still be a great actor and all this. And I just think it'll show like maybe hiring people who are trans or um, non-binary or whatever, 
for different roles, I think it'll just show more like to see them as a person who acts well versus being a person who is whatever, who acts. I don't know if I'm saying yeah. it how I want, but I just think like he'll be the first, but not the last. And, yeah. it, and people like Laverne Cox have opened that up and whatever too, right? But I think this is a very specific case where it's someone who we've known for years. So yeah, I really think that's brave. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two great examples. Not that I need to rate. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not feeling, yes, tick. It was a great example. Uh, thank uh, you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we are at the end of the podcast. And unless you have any like pressing thing to say about bravery that you thought about and I haven't asked you. The last thing I will ask you about is if you have any plugs. Yeah, sure. So I just, um, I love this podcast. So I think if oh. this is your first time listening to it and maybe because I told you, hey, I'm on this podcast, listen to the other episodes. It's really great. And then also, if this is your first time hearing me, I have a podcast called More Than Work Podcast that I'd love people to hear. And if you're in Camden or Brighton or anything, uh, check out when I'm going to do my show because I'm going to need audience members there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Cool. Thank you so much for doing my podcast, Rabia. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. It's fun. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at @marianisbeats on Twitter and Instagram for all dowdy updates. As all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. And do share the podcast with your friends or on your socials. Hashtag DowdyPod. I would also like to know your pics of people who, to you, are examples of bravery. Share them on your reviews or tweet them at me. Huge, huge thank you to Champagne for the podcast jingle and a bunch of other things that are on podcast related. If you've enjoyed listening to Dowdy, have some spare to give, and would like to support me and help me improve on my tech and skills, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee on at Mariana's Beats. I've been Mariana Feijó. Until next week.